and welcome to Medicine in the Kitchen, where we empower you with simple solutions to everyday health concerns. Welcome back to Medicine in the Kitchen, episode 60. Once again, I'm Hisul. And I'm Felicia, and we're your guides to Empowered Health. Today, we're going to be talking about mental health and bullying, and we want to welcome to our podcast, our very special guest, Santa. Hi, Santa. Can you introduce yourself and let us know a little bit more about our topic? Sure. Thank you, Felicia and Hazel, for having me here. Um, I'll tell you a little bit more about um, what I do, and then I can go into this. So I'm Sana Farid. I'm a conflict transformation consultant, and I run Empower Races, which is an interactive platform that teaches people the tools of conflict transformation with a focus on mental and emotional well-being to help them reach their full potential. You may ask, what is conflict transformation? Uh, Conflict transformation is, it's the art and science of viewing conflict as opportunities. It's a mindset. Um, It's a niche field that people, you know, may have heard of. Um, They may have heard of conflict resolution, conflict management, but not too many people have heard of conflict transformation. And so that's true. I have not heard about that. So I did not mean to cut you (laughs) off, but it's so true. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say the same thing. Um, Yeah, it's something that I haven't heard about until we met you. For sure. Well, I can tell you a little bit more about it. The entire idea behind conflict transformation is that conflicts are opportunities. And so it's it's not a conflict. So when we think about the word conflict, you know, a lot of times we tend to think of a negative word, like, you know, it's um, an argument, a disagreement, and there tends to be a negative lens to it. But with conflict transformation, we view conflicts as opportunities, as a situation. And it's the choices we make that make it positive or negative. So for Mm -hmm. instance, um, you know, you can take like two little kids, um, one of them gets a toy, the other one doesn't, and it's not Christmas, and it's not their birthday, and it's not any other occasion, it's just a general day. What would you think would happen in that situation? To reflect back to your own childhood. Well, usually, like, at least with my siblings and I, we, well, we learn to share, but it doesn't mean that it was always like, I got to play with it first, and, you know, there would be that, like, I want to play with it first, and there will be some discussion, I guess, about who gets to try it or we'll just be like, well, you had it last time, so I get to be the first one to play with this one. Exactly, right? So in that case, those are choices we're making. In some, in some cases, it'd be, you know, the elder one might run off with it or the younger one might start crying and eventually you learn to play together and share. But again, so the conflict was the single toy. It's the choices we make that make that situation either a good positive experience for us or a negative experience for us. Mm-hmm. And that's the crux of the matter with conflict transformation, that the things that happen to us or the situations that we find ourselves in, that's mm-hmm. a conflict or a situation. And the choices that we make allow us to either have a positive, constructive life or we can make decisions that, you know, spiral us down. And I think for mental health, that's key because it, it brings back control to our life. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that concept of the conflict being an opportunity because it just sort of changes the whole 
lens around it, I feel like. For sure, right? And the thing is, it's also realizing that conflict is everywhere. I mean, you see it in school, you'll see it in the playground, you see it at work. I mean, and frankly, you see it in mother nature. And we say conflict is used by mother nature as an opportunity for change. Mm-hmm. You know, so like in, in the summer, it's, we're all in the GTA area, like going down to Dingle Park and the Lakeshore area. And it's, you see the water crashing against you know, against the rocks and it's beautiful, but that is mother nature in conflict and it's an opportunity for change. And change does not have to be negative, change is positive. So again, conflicts are opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I love the, that point of view because it's not something you would normally consider conflict, you just assume it's normal. Right. Right. And, 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 that, and that's the mindset, right? It's understanding that, okay, this is the situation and I therefore have choices to make. Mm-hmm. And then we take it from there. And the reason why I brought up conflict is I know we're talking about mental health and bullying today, but a lot of times, you know, people will mistake the two. Mm-hmm. And then they'll say, oh, you know, they're just having a childhood conflict or they're just fighting. They'll get over it. And it's important to understand that the two are very different, you know, where conflicts are opportunities, you know, your opportunities to make good decision making. Bullying is a completely negative phenomenon. Mm. Right. And and that needs to be addressed and looked into. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And. And making that distinction. For sure. Mm-hmm. Right, for sure. Like with bullying, the main thing that to be aware of is that the three different components to it that we need to be aware of. One is, you know, it's an aggress, it's intentional. That means the person intends to cause you harm. It's repeated that it happens more than once. Right. And there is a disbalance in power that the person who's bullying has more power than the other person. And then if you look Mm -hmm. at I mean, there's an academic definition of bullying and it usually is, you know, it's an aggressive typically repeated behavior. And, you know, the person intends to cause harm or distress, yada, yada, yada. But the main three cruxes are intentional. So the person knows what they're doing. They want to cause harm. There's a disbalance in power. And by power, this can be, um, I'm bigger than you in size. I can be older than you in age. Or in a school or a work setting, I've just been there longer. Right? So I know more people. I'm more settled. So I have more power in that situation than, say, somebody who's new. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. In a school environment, it could be somebody, you know, from a younger grade versus somebody who's in an older grade or somebody, you know, just a difference in size. And I think like we see that a lot in uh, kids TV shows and even other media. There's always a form of bullying that shows up, whether it be like passive aggressive bullying or like you're saying, the the whole imbalance of like um, older or I've been there longer kind of thing. Mm hmm. For sure. For sure, right? And the thing is, it's a lot of times like people tend to think it's a rite of passage. It's not. It's, you know, childhood conflict. That's normal. We have to learn to work with other people. We need to learn to collaborate. Bullying, you know, which can be like physical, you have emotional, you have verbal, you know, you have, you have social exclusion. 
you have all those different examples of bullying and no that's not normal that's not a rite of passage it is a point where the person needs help they've probably tried to get out of it and they're asking for help and we need to step in and provide that help because it has long-term impact on people mm-hmm. and then I mean, I can get, if you want, I can talk more about the different types of bullying if you think that will be helpful. So that's, a, you know, people are able to identify the different types. We can go more into detail if needed. I mean, yeah, it would be good to know a little bit different because I know like very few, I generally just assume most of it is bullying and the other one is just the cyber bullying, which is like the newer version of it. For sure. Well, okay, so let's, we can go back to like, we go back to back to the basics, right? So we all know about physical bullying, right? You, mm. you see the TV shows, you see the school playground, you have big kids attacking the little kids or, you know, pushing, shopping. Um, you, you, we've all seen that. So those are, those are examples of physical bullying, right? What's interesting here is um, people tend to think it's only boys. It's not, not really. It's not, mm. right? I, I had a case of this kid in senior kindergarten where you know we approach the teacher and you know some kids constantly hitting him and then you know the teacher turns around and she's like yeah but she's a girl um yeah but nobody says girls can't hit either mm-hmm. girls you know, so are rather like, strong they are right especially the younger ones i mean as they get older you know that's a different they may, might use more words but when they're younger for sure and it's um so that's the thing so it's it's a myth that it's only boys girls can be involved in physical bullying too mostly yes in most cases it may be boys but don't think just because it's a girl girls don't do physical bullying they can mm-hmm. then, you know and then you have um, verbal bullying so that's you know name calling spreading rumors making unkind remarks right and in mean girls mean girls exactly frenemies and mean girls both of those mm-hmm. come in right and what's interesting again here is there's a there's a new distinction that's come in here, which is called pre- prejudicial bullying, which is where an element of racism might kick in here, mm-hmm. or you know, or or pulling up on people, or you know, making comments regarding their disabilities and things like that. So it's important to remember that that becomes an element of bullying too. And it's important to recognize that, okay, this is completely inappropriate. So then you have like, so then you have, so that's the physical and the verbal. And then we have what's called social or emotional or relationship focused bullying. Here again, same thing with the mean girls phenomena where, you know, there's social exclusion. Um, You cannot, you cannot play with me. I don't want you to be friends with her or she cannot be part of this group, she's new, or, you know, how dare she say this to me, so therefore, you know, we're going to exclude her. So all those things come into social bullying, because again, remember, um, bullying was about power imbalance, it was intentional, and it's repeated. And here, all these three things are happening, right, to social exclusion. And then, What's interesting, it's not just in schools. I mean, you have mom groups and you have adult groups where it's, we don't want this person part of this group because my kid had a problem with their kid. Mm-hmm. I really I really like that you brought up the adult bullying um, because I think, I think sometimes that can, 
even model for kids what bullying looks like and mm -hmm. it's for sure right life. it's I mean, kids see things around them. Um, it can be TV shows, it can be model behavior, it can be various different things. But to think that bullying is only limited either to schools, um, no, that would not be the case because you have adult bullying, just as you correctly pointed out. And, and, that, and that's another whole slew, you know, in, in the work, bullying in the workplace, different settings. But this, the mean girl phenomena, I found very relevant because you see it in schools and then you see it in an older setting as well um, so that's there so that takes care of you know social and emotional bullying and then finally is the one that you mentioned is you know the cyberbullying component which is bullying then taking place online and you know this could be abusive and hurtful messages you can be spreading rumors it can be you know, online, um, you can be deliberately, again, excluding people online. You could be spreading videos about them, inappropriate images, making comments. So basically, you know, other than physically hitting someone and harming them physically, anything and everything that you were doing in the physical world, you know, in terms of verbal and social and all that, you're now doing it in the cyber world. And like you were mentioning um, last time with cyberbullying, you don't really have a safe space because with the other kinds of bullying, you come home and, you know, it's done. Meanwhile, exactly. cyberbullying is constant. Exactly, right? Because it... Oh, sorry. Can Go I... ahead, Felicia. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like that would be a, a big concern these days, for sure. For sure, right? Because, again, with say physical bullying it's you know somebody hits you in school you come home yes you don't want to go to school the next day and you don't like you, you know i mean the, there's a whole level of problems that are happening there but when you come home you're safe from the bully same thing with verbal if it's happening in school but if the person is verbally abusing you in school and then they're sending you text messages and they're leaving mean comments on your social media profile or somewhere else. Well, now it's gone from verbal to cyberbullying and it's 24 seven. It's, it just does not end. I mean, it's there as long as you have your device with you and you don't have that safe space. And can you imagine how isolated this person is going to feel? Yeah. Yeah, I right. can. I mean, deep down, I feel like we've all sort of experienced some form of the bullying or accidentally been part of it in one way or another. Right, for sure, right? Because, I mean, it's, if you look at online statistics and stuff, they say about 60% of youth say they've, they've seen it. You know, about 30% say they've faced it, but 60% say they've seen it at least. I mean, that's more than half of the youth there. And, yeah. and most of them say they don't step in. You know, either they don't know what to do or they don't want to get involved. And what people need to realize is if you're seeing it and we're staying quiet, you know, then we're siding with the bully because you're letting the person who's already isolated, who's being bullied, you're making that person feel even more alone. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, and people can say there might be repercussions to our actions, but most schools right now have facilities in place where you can report these things anonymously. If you're not feeling safe yourself, maybe you can report it to an adult in your life 
who can then go report it to either the school principal or somebody else who's, you know, who's able to get that child or that youth help that they need. And similarly for adults, right? For sure. Again. And I think one more thing to remember here is people think that, okay, somebody's a bully and somebody's being bullied. But, you know, sometimes those roles can change. So if I've been bullied by someone when I was, say, in grade three, four, five, by the time I get to grade seven, eight, nine, I'm like, oh, this is a rite of passage. You see it in the work environment as well, where it's, okay, the first two, three, four years are extremely difficult, even in terms of atmosphere. And and this is in some settings, right? So therefore, the other person, once when I am in a position of authority, I am going to do the same. The oppressed become the oppressors. Exactly. So again, yeah. with, with school bullying, it's the person may have been bullied, but then once they come in a position where they have more, you know, their older bullies are gone. Now you have the younger kids in and it's like, okay, now it's my turn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, at the same so it's important where somebody's facing bullying you need to help the person who's being bullied but you also need to provide help to the person who is the bully because sometimes that is also a cry for help yeah and i love that you you pointed it out and hazel i think you mentioned it too a little bit where like the the person bullying i feel like can often be sort of okay, it's this this terrible person that I would never be, but when you kind of think about it, there's there's a reason for it, and and both sides need help. So I really like that you pointed that out. And I think that's something that we've learned a lot recently, and a lot of media has shifted, at least from when we were younger, to like now you don't see the bully just as somebody that's mean and rude and just enjoys doing this for fun. You usually see that there's another side to them. Right. So like even right now, let's just go with the basic Disney. You're getting to see the other side of the villains where like they're usually the bullies. But why are they the bullies kind of thing? Right. Right. Because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And there there are things that have happened either in our past or in our surroundings that are making us do what we're doing. And it's so important to know where that person is coming from. Because I think even for the person who's being bullied, it allows them to move on where it's like, you know what, it was not me, it was them. It was something going on in their life that caused them to do what they did. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so it's not that it was I'm responsible, like I must have done something where they thought they could bully me. No, it's not you, it's them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those are such important lessons to learn. Like not not taking things personally and then also it i think it promotes empathy and and connecting with others because you're you're kind of showing compassion and understanding the situation and forgiveness yes exactly exactly because the thing is if we want to move on we do need to come from a place of forgiveness we also need to come from a place of awareness and forgiveness can only come once we have the awareness So um, as we're talking, I mean, I feel like the physical one and the social, well, the physical one, it's really clear what is being injured is mainly the body. But like the other ones, especially cyberbullying, I think take a toll more on the 
non-physical scale kind of thing for the bullying. So it's more mental health kind of related. And I was wondering if you can give us a little bit more about that. Sure, sure. So the thing is, even with the physical bullying, I know it's you're physically harmed. It still impacts you mentally, Mm -hmm. right? And I remember there's an old saying that used to be like sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words would never hurt me. It was some comic from like 20, 30, 40 years ago, you know, that you, you see this saying sometimes, you know, and you're like, no, that's not true. Things people say stay with us. Even if we don't yeah. realize it in bullying, we definitely realize it. But when people say hurtful things, when people say things that harm other people, it stays with them and then they have to work through it to move and work past it to move on. And that's the same thing in the cyber bullying space, even in the verbal bullying space, when people say things, they harm and they they stick with other people. And what's challenging here is they have research that shows that people who have been bullied, especially amongst the youth, their likelihood of suicide goes up by, you know, but it's twice the number. So it's, so that's a big challenge. And then it, you know, it, it causes anxiety, it causes stress, um, it can lead to depression. So there are all these mental health issues that can happen as a result of somebody being bullied. And what's, again, it's, you can be bullied. So now you're going through anxiety, you're having panic attacks, you know, you might have low levels of self-esteem, you may, you know, lose trust in yourself and then it's leading you to maybe not wanting to study you're not wanting to go to school right so now it's having an impact on your life and where you wanted to be in the future and you know what your life goals may be so now it's having longer term impact so not only are you suffering from a mental health problem so you've, you've suffered from bullying, which has led to a mental health problem, which has then led to something else. And it's turning into a cycle. Mm-hmm. And then you add in the unhealthy coping mechanisms as well. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And then it may be that depending on those coping mechanisms, um, if you've had the right support, you're going to be able to come out of it and be, you know, a positive you'll have a positive constructive life or you can go down the negative path and be like, okay, if this happened to me, maybe this is the way this works. So therefore now I'm in a position of causing the harm. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, um, I don't have the exact research figures and it's actually, it was quite depressing when I came across that report. Um, it became a case of one of the leading causes of, um, school gun shootings in the u.s like they they went back in research and they said okay how many of this these kids had been bullied a good portion of them are generally it it was it was a shockingly high number because early on they didn't get the support they needed they were bullied it was ignored and then you had that feeling of negativity building up Mm-hmm. When, when no one being aware of, or if people were aware, they didn't give them the right help that they needed. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have bullying incidences and the, the child is able to get the help, they have a safe adult that they can go to or somebody steps in, then you know somebody has your back, right? Then you're feeling safe, you're feeling protected, 
your self-esteem is not impacted. Mm-hmm. And do you see where you, you do you see where the turn happens in life then? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, and this is when we talk about like opportunities, like this is where it is, where people around us who are either seeing the bullying happening, right. They have an opportunity to do the right thing. And so what we say is in the bullying, like the role of the bystander is so important. They say if, if any, if the person who's seeing it was to step in, in like 70 to 80% of cases, the person stops bullying. Yeah. Are there, are there any sort of strategies or anything that you can give for bystanders stepping in? Because a lot of time I'll hear, especially with kids, I, I feel like, there's a lot of fear to sort of get in that situation because then they don't want to become the one. Yes. For sure. Right. So there, there are two or three different ones depending on the age group. So like even when my kids were younger, um, they're the latter end of the school year. So they tended to be, you know, one of the little ones in class. Um, and there is bullying in our school playgrounds. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. Um, unfortunately, it starts from a very young age, like you start hearing of cases even through senior kindergarten onwards. Um, so we have, as parents, to accept the fact that, you know, there is going to be bullying in the playground. So we have to prepare our kids. Um, and so one of the strategies that we had used was, you know, travel in groups of two or three. So it's if you are facing bullying, make sure you're with your friends right? Because they're going to pick on you if you're going to be alone. But if you're in a group of three or four, numbers keep you safe. Then it was a case of, okay, if you're not feeling strong enough or brave enough to stand up to the person, then if you're seeing your friend getting bullied, you can quickly run to the principal's office or you can quickly run and find the teacher. You can quickly find the responsible adult to come in and help you. Right. And here, um, I know we have we have a number of supervisors in on during in the playground during lunch hours and all of that. What's important to remember is that the child needs to find the responsible adult who can actually make a difference. So it might be your classroom teacher, might be the office. So the school principal, the vice principal, your, you know, your classroom teacher, your gym teacher, basically somebody who knows you. Mm-hmm. right because if you're going up to an adult who might be a stranger to you or who's just seen you but does not know the background they may or may not take us that seriously at that point in time mm-hmm. right but if you go to your classroom teacher she'll be there to watch out for you that's true and then if you you know if you've gone to your classroom teacher and you know in most cases they'll step in in some cases they may not realize what has happened in that case you go to your parent so the schools have protocols in place you know where as long as the kids can be taught these skills they can get the help they need Um, and you know then as a parent it's our responsibility then to then follow up that is my get is you know follow up even with your child did that child bother you again in school are you okay do you feel safe And I guess it's good to, you know, start having those conversations with them, even when they're really, really young, when we, like, we all assume that kindergarten is going to be fun and safe. And like you're saying, it starts from that age and it's really reaching out to your kids and starting to build that trust and communication 
with each other so that when something like this does happen, you're aware of it and you do follow up. For sure, right? And like we run, like within Power Races, we run these um, anti-bullying workshops for kids and a lot of our time just goes in teaching them role-playing. You know, we'll, mm. we'll use scenarios and we'll be like, okay, what would you say in this situation? And then they'll practice it. And then the first time they'll practice it, they'll start giggling because they're like, I can't say it that way. Or, you know, it'll be a case of um, they're saying it and I'm like, do you believe it? Right? So they're like, oh, no, 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 no I need to practice this again. So that mm-hmm. they're able to come out sounding stronger because it's if I'm speaking, you know, stepping up and speaking to a bully and I'm saying, please don't do that again. Um, I'm not going to believe you. But if I'm assertive and I'm confident when I'm speaking it, that person will be like, all right, I'm not getting the, you know, the power play I needed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, those, so those are little skills that the parents can work with their kids and, you know, work with them. I was just going to say, in most cases, school is fun, but we need to prepare and protect our kids from these incidences also. You were mentioning um, something in the prep call about how to do things for cyberbullying, how to protect kids, how to get it a bit like under control in a way. Oh, for sure. For sure. So with cyberbullying, I think the biggest one is technology. Because how does the child get cyberbullied, right? It's through a means of technology. It might be social media, might be emails, might be texting, but it's, it's going to be through the cyber world. And the biggest help that we found, and I know it may sound old school to a lot of listeners maybe, and they'll be like, no, please don't suggest this, but it is no devices in the room at night. Mm-hmm. Right, and and what's important to remember is, and then we say this in the in the cyberbullying world is nothing good happens at night, right? So what happens with cyberbullying is, you know, someone may I'll give you an example. You're in school, a child is tripped by someone else. Technically, and this was intentional, and it has been done before. Step one: this was physical bullying, right? Do we recognize that? Mm-hmm. But somebody else is now making a video mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so in the old old days this child got tripped in school got hurt went home safe spaced present day world somebody else made a video and turned this into a big joke unfortunately and it's spreading all through the school and then moved on to his hockey team and then moved on to the district schools and and you know it's it's now all over Mm-hmm. Now, how is this 11, 12, 13-year-old going to feel where, you know, he's looking around and people are laughing and he's like, oh, the whole world saw me getting embarrassed. It's right? tough because then you don't really have anywhere else to go. Exactly. And that's an example of cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's, it's never-ending in that sense because it's all over. It's difficult to control. But now you have the same 13-year-old who instead of having his devices in his room at eight o'clock, it's lights off, everything gone, all devices put away. When he went to bed, you know, there were maybe like 20 views. When he woke up, there are 1500 views. Now imagine if this child had this device in their room, they woke up at 11 to see how many views there were, they woke up at one. Well, by two in the morning, they're panicking and thinking, 
you know, their levels of self-esteem, everything has been impacted. Mm-hmm. And they're feeling all alone and isolated. And now they're but not if, having proper rest either to kind of... Exactly. And they're worried sick. They don't want to wake up their parents at three o'clock in the morning, but now they're all alone. And I mean, you don't want that situation to arise. So our biggest advice here is um, no technology in the room, like no screens after a certain time. And you can decide as a family what that is. And what we normally recommend to parents is there's a technology contract that they can use. And the best time to impose it and start talking about it also is right when you're starting to give these devices to your kids. So when they're like, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, like delay the phones as much as you can. But most kids by like the time they're 10, 11, 12, at least have a tablet or access to something. So it's, you want to have a technology contract in place. And the earlier you do it, the more chances of us being able to get a certain level of discipline and structure in place, it becomes more difficult. If you know the child, you know, now we're talking about teenagers and then backtracking. So it's, a good one to start, especially if you have like, you know, 11, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year olds and work with that. And then that becomes the case of, hey, you want your own phone or you want your own device, then these are going to be the rules of the house that all devices are put in place in this safe spot by this date. No devices in the room after this time. We can only get on the phone after our chores are done. Or we can only do, so we set structures in place. We stretch, you know, we set parameters in place that work mm-hmm. for the family. Like, oh, sorry. Um, I feel like that's also a good, and I think you were maybe going with this and I jumped ahead, but I feel like that's a good sort of family activity to do too. And it's a good opportunity for parent modeling. And, and maybe we all put our phones away at a certain time at night. and. For sure, right? Because if even if you look up all the information on mental health and you speak to the doctors and everything, and they, they talk about the importance of having a good bedtime routine, mm-hmm. and they talk about how important it is for our brain to get the message that it's time to shut down, and that, you know, like half an hour, 45 minutes in an hour before bedtime, you want to put the screens away so your body is able to get into that rest mode, so you're able to get a proper night's rest. Because if we're not able to get a proper sleep, you know, our decision making gets compromised if we've gone a period of days without getting proper rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. all of those are there. And then I think his Zulu piece, I've sent a link. Um, it's, it's an article on psychology today that has a link to a sample technology contract. So if I use this one, I use it, um, you know. I really like it. It's it's simple and you can move it around to how you want it to fit, you know, your family's needs. But it basically just sets up a, a nice parameter in place that makes it convenient for parents to use. Yeah. And the thing, and what I find is um anytime you're giving the kids their first phone, they're ready to accept any contract that you're throwing at them if it means they're gonna get that phone. Mm-hmm. so so you know this this is the time to put it in yeah and i'll be sharing that with the, all the listeners on our site so you guys will have access to it mm-hmm. yeah and and i feel like i i like the idea of the contract i know you've you've said it's kind of old school but 
I really like the idea of even maybe coming up with that contract together with your child so they kind of feel part of the process as well. And then it's a great opportunity for discussion about phone safety and, and that almost opens the discussion to talk more about things like cyberbullying and, and why, why a contract might be something that's important. For sure, right? And it's, it's also a great time to also talk about what's like appropriate content versus not. So, you mm-hmm. know, like we say, if you don't have anything good to say about someone else, don't say it. Just because your friends are commenting and those comments may or may not be kind does not mean that you do the same. Right. So what is appropriate online content? Like you have to think about it. Is it, you know, was it nice? Was it kind? Was it necessary? Mm-hmm. Right. Those are things you have to think about. And then what happens if you decide to ignore this discussion and then still go ahead and post it? Right. So what are the repercussions or in the or the consequences of making those decisions? That's true. Absolutely. Right. And then also having a conversation with them, you know, about what's appropriate, what's not, or what happens if you're faced with something that is inappropriate, how do you come to us? And then at the same time, I think this is also a great place to have a good family discussion. And maybe this is something that can be revisited every year, a couple of years, where it's okay, I'm in a higher grade, I need more time to do my homework, or this time is not enough, can we, you know, change the time a little bit more and it can mm-hmm. be okay you know um, you can do homework till 10 o'clock but by 10 30 all the devices need to be in this room well these are all fascinating tips and it really makes you reanalyze like a lot of your childhood in a way yeah at least for me yeah yeah same yeah no but i heard your point where you you said that you know some of these are things that, um, you know, you realize that you may have faced. And I even my, like when I started studying bullying and understanding this more, I realized there were stunts that I pulled in my childhood and I felt oh, ashamed as, you know, I'm like, oh my goodness, I did this to the poor child. You know I mean? What was I thinking? Well, I actually, when you mentioned one of them, I actually remembered what I was thinking. And it was really sad because at that point I was like, if I, if I play with them, then that means I'm on their side and then they're going to bully me too, you know? So it was like all this fear of like, I should just not play with them and I'll be safe. Right, right. And you know what's really sad is, I mean, I've been on the playgrounds even here and, you know, you're sitting in the playground, uh, you know, the kids are playing, especially if you go early morning, you know, when the playgrounds are less empty and stuff, you can hear a lot of kids, the kids talking and overhear what they're saying. And you'll have like five and six-year-old girls who'll be there and they'll be like, hey, you can either play with me or you can play with her. And you're thinking in your head, no, little girl, you don't want to be going there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? That's not, that's not what you want to be doing. Like you need to be inclusive. And the thing is, as, as parents and people, we need to step in and be like, hey, you know, why don't you include them? Or if mm-hmm. you're playing, if your kids are playing in the playground and you see another kid who's alone, send one of them out and say, hey, would you like to join us? 
Yeah. Mm. yeah. Because these are, these are little things that we can do that help model the kids that, okay, it's not okay for me to be playing with my friends when there's a kid who's alone in the playground. Like we can easily ask him. And then the, the child has the option to say, no, hey, I'm okay. Thank you. You know, and that's perfectly fine that you gave the child the choice. Yeah, and you can always tell them, well, if you change your mind, you can come join us. Exactly, you know. And sometimes they'll do that where they'll be shy at the start and then they'll come because you've given them the offer, you know, they'll turn, come back in like 15 minutes and they're like, can I join? And they're like, yeah, sure. You know, we're only here for another 10 minutes, but sure, you can join in. Mm-hmm. But before um, you were mentioning something. I was talking about the technology contract. Yes. And I think, yes. And what I was saying was, it's also a time for us to have discussions. And this is something we can revisit every year, every other year, as the kids get older, since their homework increases, their workload increases. So, you know, this is something that you can sit down as a family and talk about, all right, how much more time will you need, right? So if say in middle school, or, you know, when you're when the child's 10 and 11, it's no more devices after eight o'clock because, you know, it's bedtime at 8.30, um, and all devices put away but by the time you get to eighth grade and ninth grade you're like by the time I'm done finishing homework it's already like say nine nine thirty you know so then like okay that's fine so then you adjust accordingly and then you say okay you know no more devices by like 10 as they get older you can set a time that no more devices after this point in time and this is where they get placed and then frankly, at a certain point, it's like, no, you need to go to bed and you can wake up early in the morning. Mm-hmm. So you can go to bed at 10, but you can come in and take your devices at 530 in the morning and continue on with your homework if you need to. Right. But well, I'm that's, the- that's really good ideas. And like Felicia was mentioning, this is also great for adults because we kind of didn't grow up with those rules. For sure, because we didn't need to, right? It was all new. Who knew all these things, right? They were exactly, they were fairly new. Some were accessible, some were not that accessible. And it was, I don't know if we were completely on it all the time, but I think we had some good habits in place, but we were also, I think we didn't necessarily know the impact that all of these devices may have on us. And now that there's just so much more research, mm-hmm. but now yeah. that we have this awareness and then not do something about it. Exactly right so since we know we okay what are the steps that we can do under these circumstances Mm -hmm. because it's i mean there's also i mean you have uh, movies and stuff outside and you have research that shows you know how that ting ting on the phone like it's all meant to get you to go check the phone and you know get you to go see what's happening like it's playing with your brains and you have to be aware of that and you know even as adults, we do have to recognize that, all right, I've had too much screen time. I need screen-free time. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that is very hard sometimes. It is hard. But I, I feel like the, the parent modeling comes in here again because it's, it's hard for us. So you can imagine how hard it would be for a child who maybe doesn't, isn't able to regulate their emotions as well yet. Um, exactly right because i mean we all know that physiologically it's like our prefrontal cortex is only going to develop at a later date for a child it's and especially a person who's in their teenage years it's they have all the big emotions but they don't have the thinking capacity in place yet 
Mm -hmm. So those are all factors we have to keep in mind. And I hear you on, you know, how as an adult, it can be difficult also. And for me, it's like, I love reading. And so then for me, it's okay. Is my Kindle a device or is it not a device? But then it's like, okay, exactly. there's no social, right. But then it's, I'm like, okay, if I keep all the social media off and I have the games off, it's just for reading. Then where does it fall? Yeah. It's a tough choice. It's hard too because because these things are so, are relatively new still. Um, We don't, like we have a lot more research, but we don't know kind of how how to navigate these things. And like you were saying, they're multi-purpose too. So, okay, I want to have off-screen time, but I also want my music, but my music is on my device. See, the way I I hear that on, okay, it's exactly right. So there are two things with that, right? A, if you have a musical device only, then you're listening to music, right? And it ends there. Mm-hmm. But if you're listening to music and then that's going to be, I have my phone and then I have this, then we're crossing boundaries. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Right. So yes. So, I mean, so those are conversations to be had. And I think everyone has to find what their happy medium is, but at least for the kids and for our youth, for sure, like we should have those technology contracts in place. So allow them to get some structure and then as parents model that behavior and Mm -hmm. we also know that there are ways around in the sense that sure my music may be on my device right now can I maybe set it to a time where it puts me to sleep so I have it running outside my room and then it's going to stop that's a good point right Mm -hmm. so there, there, there are softwares in place there are structures in place that we can set it to like technology has I mean technology is a tool so we can use it for ways to facilitate even you know this type of decision making for us so for me it's my kindle has most of my books on it and if I'm using it to read it's meant for reading Mm -hmm. you know if I'm going to play a game on it or anything else it's going to be during the day for like five minutes But like if I'm, bedtime is just reading because reading puts me to to sleep fast. I'll use it and put it away. Yeah, and I feel like that also adds in sort of a component of mindfulness too and and being aware of of what you're doing and how you're using technology. For sure. And the awareness is key because with technology, it's, I mean, you can be on social media and flipping pages and, you know, going through different Instagram posts and stuff, and you'll, you won't realize how much time has gone by. And yes. so the mindfulness and the awareness is so key there that, you know, this is what I need to focus on. And this is how much time I have. And set our bedtime routines also in place that, okay, what puts me to bed? Like what relaxes me? Because a good night's sleep is what's going to help me set up better for the next day. Mm-hmm. And for mental health, I mean, it's all of these things are so important. Exactly. Exactly. These all kind of like really, really tie into mental health. It's not just 
you know, ah, it's, it's a bit of a challenge. Ha ha ha. No, these are actually really important for mental health. Exactly. And I feel like once you start adding things in like a good sleep, good mental health support, self-esteem starts to go up and there's, there's less of a reason for bullying in the first place. For sure, mm-hmm. for sure, right? And it's, I mean, even little things like just going out for a tech-free walk or just little, little things that help support that mental health. And then recognizing mm-hmm. who our support system is, either within the school system, the work system, recognizing who our safe friends are, who our safe people are, like who can we reach out to when we need help? hmm So what we tell the kids is, you know, I mean, it's important to have your bullying prevention plan, which is if I face bullying, what am I going to do? Because when you look at the figures and the rates, you know, with like 30% of kids already, you know, 30% of kids face it, 60% are exposed to it. And these figures are only rising. So it's not a question of if it happens, it turns into a question of when it happens. And in that case, then it's, what's my plan? What am I going to do? Who can I ask for help? Because when we have this situation identified, then when our kids face it or when we face it, then it's, I know what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel like that's probably a a great place to, to end. Um, I feel like we've covered so much and it's all been really useful. Thanks so much for, for coming on. Yes. Thank you so much. And hopefully we can have you back and talk some more about this because it's really interesting. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about this topic. If i I'm hoping it helps our listeners and they can take something constructive from it and apply it and they find it useful. And I think that would be huge for me. Um, you know, knowing that we've been able to help people. For sure. I mean, this is what this podcast is all about, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah, we're we're so thankful to have to have people like you come share. Like you, you clearly have a lot of experience working with with kids and bullying, and and that's yeah. Thanks for sharing your knowledge. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll post the, the tech contract on our website and you can rate, comment, and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also donate to our podcast on our coffee page. Um, that's ko-fi.com slash medicine in the kitchen, all one word. Uh, invite your friends to join our community and improve their health. Um, you can follow us on our social media at Felicia Senza ND and Sweet Nutritionista and it's Empower Aces for Instagram and Twitter and Empower Aces Live for Facebook. We will be posting bi-weekly. Thank you for joining us. See you next time and happy healing. <laughs>